Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. I'm gonna, I, I used to play this game. You guys can sit down. I'm, I'm going to talk for the next two hours, so get comfortable. <laughs> um, I used to play this game on a bus in college when you were going off to play football or I was on, in the college choir. We had these like long bus rides, so you want to get to know people. And we used to do this, like, if you were on an island, what would you fill in the blank? So I want you guys to think with me. If you were stranded on an island and could have only one genre of cuisine, one genre of food... What would it be? Break Did I hear breakfast? Breakfast. I heard pasta. Pizza. I was thinking Mexican. Dude, Mexican food. Come on. Breakfast, Mexican food, lunch, and dessert Mexican is amazing too. But I when you said I was thinking Italian too, right? Because like a you know cappuccino for for you know for breakfast and then you know a, a good salad. Oh, here we go. Mark. Yeah, Oh, I'm back. Do I not touch it? I don't know. I don't know. It's the what? It's the amp. It's the amp. I tell you, if you if you ever come to an outdoor church service, outdoor electronic equipment does not go well together. Like you know. So anyway, so if you're on an island, I would like Mexican food. Now, there, when you take the same game and apply it to scripture, and you talk to some people that are really smarter than me and have been studying the scripture for a long time, if you were to say, okay, if you had one chapter or one section of scripture on an island, or you could just give one section of scripture to somebody who had never heard the scriptures before and would never hear it again, what would it be? And a lot of people would say Romans chapter 8. So you should write that down because people smarter than me. I've never ever heard anyone say Titus chapter 3 in my life. But after reading this, I'm like, oh my word, what a gem. What a nugget, you know, flipping through Titus is almost near the end, you know, and what a gem this is. So we're going to dive into uh, Titus chapter 3. We've been working through Titus because Titus was a Gentile who was trained up by Paul and sent to this rough place called Crete, an island off the coast of Greece. Uh, uh, it was the largest island of Greece, and it was full of some rough Ruffians. Have you ever heard the saying, don't be a Cretan? Oh, you're such a Cretan. That literally is from this place thousands of years ago. That's how rough they were. Their nickname of don't be a Cretan has hung on for over 2,000 years. Pretty rough people. And so, um, Titus, am I just going to abandon this thing? Or do we wait for it to come back on? Check, check, send it. All right, we're going to... Yeah. <laughs> Those Cretans! <laughs> All right, I played high school football, so I could talk to you guys. I was I, I was also a whitewater rafting guy, so just you guys are all in our boat together. All right, all right. When I say you know hold on, I want you all to hold on. Okay, all ahead right would be you or you guys, and all ahead left would be you guys. All right, so let's let's practice this. All, all right, all ahead left. Right, go like this. All right, all ahead. All right, all ahead right. All right, go like this. All right, all back right. All right, all back left. All right, all back. Right? Should be working. Should be working now. But I'm having fun, Mark. Okay. It'll just oh, hear man. It'll cut out once in a while. Uh, and it'll be back cut. on in like a second. I what? It'll cut out once in a while and be back on in like a second. In like a second? So should we do it or should I just you, go you for it? You keep using it. Just go for it. 
I, I don't know, maybe someone gave me a real cup of coffee this morning. I'm not sure. But this is why I love outdoor church because, you know, when I was a kid, they're like, you know, you really should be a pastor, but you need to figure out that ADD thing. And then I was like, outdoor church! Yes! I mean, there's dogs and leaves and sun and sound systems that don't work. It's amazing. I love it. So, what we have found on the mountain is that when God wants you to get something, when God is interested in you understanding something and believing it and having it hit home, things happen. Like the sun coming out is the positive thing, for sure. There are also negative things that happen, like sound systems breaking. So this is not my words that I am not important or special, but what we're talking about here is very important and very special. It's the truth of God's word, that he so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so I was blown away by this little tidbit of Titus chapter 3. Because if you think about having something on an island, like Italian food or Mexican food, right? Or sending a piece of scripture, Titus only has three chapters. And it was sent to an island full of rough people. And I think it's incredible that we have this little section of Titus chapter 3. But you know what we've done 2,000 years later in the American church? We as Americans, I know not everyone's Americans here, you, you know, you, you can pray for us, we're Americans. Um, we have a complication syndrome. We love a complexity syndrome. We love to take things that are simple and complicate them. Have you ever read the instructions on how to cook a Pop-Tart? It doesn't need to be that complicated. We love taking making them complicated and it's funny that's how our brain works and I'm, and I'm gonna tell this story about something that happened to me my wife and I when we got out of college we went and moved on to this beautiful campus in northern Maine on the Canadian border called Moose River Outpost it was a Christian camp conference and retreat center what was so cool about it is my wife and I were privileged and we got to be the first people to live there year-round it had always just been a seasonal camp it was on 10 it was on 10 square miles, 7,000 acres, and our driveway was three miles long, a dirt driveway into the woods of Maine. It was absolutely gorgeous. Well, our first Christmas, we decided to go visit my in-laws in Minnesota, right? We decided to go to Minnesota, and while we were in Minnesota for Christmas, our home back in northern Maine got 33 inches of snow. Well, nobody was at the end of the road to make it open. So we're like, oh man, when we got back, I called a friend of mine and I said, hey, I need your snowmobile because mine's in there. I probably should have just hiked in. That probably would have been good for my health. But snowmobiling in was way funner. And so we snowmobiled in, but I could not get the front end loader that had a 12-foot articulating plow on it with chains on the tires. I could not get the front end loader to go. And I would turn it on and the, the starter would go clunk. I'm like, oh man, like... Maybe the flywheel's frozen, or maybe the starter's broken. So I took this starter on this on this on this front end loader. It's literally like this big. Probably weighs like 20 pounds. I take it off the front end loader, put it into my snowmobile, and I go to the end of the road and I drive two hours south. And I have a friend rebuild the starter. Then I drive two hours north. And I get on a snowmobile. And I go three miles in and I put it on. Mark, try all it again now. What? Try again with the mic. <laughs> <laughs> 
right in the middle of my story, Mark. Mark was not the one who rebuilt our starter, but he probably could. And so he, he rebuilt our starter. We come, and I go, and I'm all excited. I put this rebuilt starter after a whole day of driving in, and I go to turn the key on, and it goes clunk. Ah, he's not getting enough power. That's it. So I look at the batteries, and there's four of them that are this big, and they're like 150 bucks a piece. So I go down to Napa after I drive my snowmobile back there, and I get in the car, and I drive down to Napa, and I get four brand new batteries, and I bring them out my snowmobile, and I bring them back, and I put them into the front end loader, and I'm all excited, new batteries, this is going to be awesome, and I turn the key, and it goes, look, exactly, oh my goodness, and all the while, I've got three miles of snow, and we have the Nazarene Pastors Prayer Summit coming the next week, we have 30 men coming, I'm like, well, I don't know if I have 30 snowmobiles to get them in here, plus the Cisco food truck needs to deliver our food, oh, what am I going to do, so I have a friend who's an engineer, and I said, hey man, I could really use your help, I'm not really a good engineer, he's like, okay, so this really, really smart guy that works on engines in boats that are See, probably bigger than this amphitheater, huge engines, he goes out on the ocean, he gets on a snowmobile, his snowmobile, and we rip in. He goes, and he turns the key, and it goes, nice, and he goes, oh, you're not getting enough power. He follows the power train, or the power line, the electrical lines, back to the back, where the batteries are, I've been in there where the batteries are, and he opens up the back, and he looks at it, and he says, Oh, your emergency switch is on off. Or just go grab one for yourself. Nothing wrong with my starter. Nothing wrong with the batteries. I had spent a week and probably a thousand dollars on nothing. Where my emergency switch was just off. Right? We love to complicate things. And we as Americans and we as Christian Americans do the same thing with the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the most simple and most profound truth that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believe in that will not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn it, but to save it. And we love to complicate that. And Paul wrote this to Timothy, not Timothy, sorry, Titus, wrong dude of Paul, wrong disciple of Paul, Titus on the island of Crete, so that these hellions, these ruffians, would know that God so loved the world. And he writes this, when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, which everyone in Crete is like, you, thank goodness we're in Crete. But we, as American Christians, we trick ourselves into thinking that we can earn God's love by the money that we give, by, by the, the food bakery that we serve in, by the churches that we go to and attend, by the scripture and memory that we know, by the amount of Christian songs that we can sing, or how we vote. We believe that somehow that that earns us favor with God. It does not. Now, are some of those things a, a product of being in relationship with God? 100% and they're beautiful. But none of them, none of them give us relationship with God. They're an expression of our relationship with God. And God desperately wanted the Cretans to know how much he loved them, not based upon anything that they did. 
And you might be here this morning and you need to know that God loves you no matter how bad your past is. And maybe you need to hear that God loves you no matter how good you are. No matter what you've done. And if you're sitting here thinking that you're bad and wrong, God loves you. But if you're sitting here and you're thinking that you're good, I want you to read this. It says, remind the believers to submit to government officials. Still feeling pretty good about yourself right now? <laughs> they should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They should not slander anyone, and they should avoid writing things on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Shots fired. Still feeling pretty good about yourself? Nowhere in here does it say they should not do heroin. They should not be in orgies. They should not listen to rap music. Right? They should pull their pants up. Like, no, it doesn't say that in here. Now, those are some things maybe you can talk about later that aren't great for you. But we love, as an American church, as American Christians, to point the finger at someone else who has a struggle that we don't have and say that's worse. But you know how important submitting to authority is to God? You know how important it is to be kind and considerate and obedient to those that are put in authority above you? It is very important in Scripture. It's more important than doing drugs, sex, and rock and roll. And we in the church, we love to say the media is the problem. Or drugs, sex, and rock and roll is the problem. All the while having major quarrels among ourselves. How do you think we even got denominations? Quarrels. Literally, our churches are founded on quarrels. They are. They're founded on arguments. It's ridiculous. We're not reading this, folks. We're reading it thinking about our neighbor. We're not using it, like James says, as a mirror. We're literally weaponizing the Word of God. That is probably going to be the worst thing that Dad is really cranky about when we get up there. Dad's going to be wicked mad that we made his Word weaponized. He's not going to be happy. Right? And he said, it was a mirror, my son, and you were supposed to look in it every day because you know what? You were so worried about your neighbor, you didn't even see the booger coming out of your nose, and you went out every day to middle school with a booger in your nose. You weirdo. Stop weaponizing the word of God, Marcus, Christians. This tough, this, this, this first one's pretty tough. Did you know that when Jesus answered the questions to the Pharisees, when they said, hey, what's the most important law? They're trying to trap him. They're trying to trap him because if he said one was more important than the other, they'd be like, oh, so you don't think that one is? But he said the most important is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So God did say, Jesus did say, that there was an order of importance. So if there is an order of importance, the Ten Commandments are an order of importance. What's at the top of the Ten Commandments? No other gods before me. In other words, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Who here thinks do not kill is an important commandment? Who thinks here do not lie is an important commandment? Who here thinks do not stealing is an important commandment? Okay, they are all important. And they are in order of importance. 
What do you think is above killing? What do you think is above stealing? What do you think is above lying? Honoring your mother and your father is above those. Now tell me you don't think God has a, a very important message to say to honoring those that are above us. Because we as parents are like, oh yeah, man, honor your mother and your father. Well, if you're a parent, that means what? At what point in time you were a kid? And if you really look at it, it actually also means in kids, you can take this home saying, okay, yes, I know I'm supposed to honor you, mom and dad. That's true. But you also have parents, mom and dad, and they're called bosses and police officers and town selectmen. Oh, there's civil parents out there, the presidents of the United States of America. There are civil authority. And the only time that the scripture says that we are not to obey them is when they ask us to sin. And if that's the one you're hiding behind, you ain't using this like a mirror. You're just not. Right? But there are places that have to deal with that. And there are people that have to deal with that. I'm very fortunate in my life to live where I live. We need to be careful not to weaponize the word of God. And this is very important because God knew that he was giving this word to Titus to bring to a bunch of hellions. But you know what's incredible? When God, through Paul, penned these words, he knew that you and I would be sitting here in 2023. And all of the problems in 2023. God knew it. That's what's so beautiful about the Word of God. It is the number one best time seller of literature year after year after year after year, and it always will be. Because the Word of God is just that. The Word of God. It says it is living, and that it is active, and it has the ability to help you with your really complicated process. It's so beautiful. So like I said, this is an important scripture passage. You and I must really take this home and think about it. And I love what's right in the middle. When God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Man, if you just had one verse to bring to people on an island full of hellions, I would think that would be the verse. If you just had one verse to give a group of people that just rode a $10 million gondola and is overlooking the beautiful Pemichuasin wilderness, that'd be the verse. If you have one verse to bring a friend who is just doubting God or is on the deathbed or has a loved one that's struggling with help, that would be a good verse. Isn't God good? I hope from this mountain that you don't just take perspective of his creation, but that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he enters his word into your very life. You are so valuable to God. You are so, so valuable. But so is your neighbor, and so is your president, and whoever leads your country.
You are so valuable. Let's stop complicating the Word of God. Let's stop complicating the good news of Jesus Christ. Salvation, salvation is His work and our gift to receive. That by faith, we can believe in God and He can set us free from ourselves. Not necessarily from that bully on Facebook. Not necessarily from maybe someone you don't agree with in the political party. When you believe on the name of the Son of God, and you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved from you. And that's the good news. And we love to complicate it. Obedience is not a prerequisite a prerequisite to, to the gospel. Obedience is an outcome. Obedience is a fruit. It's a result of when we put our faith, hope, and love in Jesus Christ. And every single one of us has faith. You wrote a gondola to get to church. You got faith, okay? It's a telephone booth hanging 40 feet in the sky, going up the hill at three meters a second. You have faith. You're going to think about that when it crests over out of that barn, aren't you? That feeling, that fully committed feeling, that's what faith is. And there's nothing like putting full commitment, full commitment in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was, is, and will ever God, we love you. We thank you for this space, this time. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that you love us, despite ourselves. You love us. You want to save us from us. Thank you for this word that you sent to those hellions on the eyes of the Thank you that it's applicable to us 2,000 years later. We choose our own way. But God, you have put the punishment of us choosing our own way onto your son that we might have life and have eternal and have abundant. And starting today, Thank you for the space and time, thank you for food, letting us be here. Bless you, God, may they know that you are here, love them. Thank you for our hunger fast, God. You are not a God that is opposed to that sounds. Thank you for music and joy. Like we said before, thank you, God, that you are not a God that we make, but that we are a people that you make. Today we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.